better place to call to your healthcare provider. Re-divider, re-divider, coming to you large in the hydron collider. Re-divider, re-divider, you know when you divide and divide again. Turn around and meet your new best friend. Welcome to this week's episode of the Redivider Podcast. Uh, today we're going to pick up on a thread from uh, the last episode uh, where Simon tried to drop a bomb at like an hour 20 uh, and ask how we felt about separating the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and then uh, we'll see. That could really probably take the whole time. Could uh, take forever. But we'll see. Or we'll five figure minutes. It out. <laughs> uh, and then we'll recommend some stuff and it'll be a great time for everybody. Uh, but That's for, not for debate. But. Uh, I disagree. I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> See, it is up for debate. It's true. Oh, uh, got him. Doug, you brilliant bastard. <laughs> I think that we should have a unified front uh, that it is fun for everybody. Mm-hmm. you got to teach the kids argument. You know, the parents have to argue more for the kids to grow up happy. Yeah, you got to teach rhetoric. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I say when I'm screaming at my child. I'm teaching you rhetoric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, While they cry. <laughs> so uh, we'll start recording Simon's parenting podcast. Yeah. Oh, there should be an offshoot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, we'll introduce ourselves. I'm Brad. I'm the host, uh, assistant editor, fiction reader. I'm Doug. I'm the fiction editor. We just had a genre editor's meeting for Redivider earlier this afternoon, but it's all secret. I can't tell you any of it. Even I don't know anything about it. And I'm Simon Jimenez, fiction reader. Oh, yeah, cool. Simon's a cool Brad fiction reader. Brad almost skipped over me. Because <laughs> I, really, I, I wanted to ask Doug about the meeting, but I forgot, and then he said it. And then, oh, no, it's cool. Uh, and so I apologize, Simon. Uh, you're the uh, co-host for the day because of how we disrespected you. Uh, nice little promotion, I, buddy. Yeah. I'm so nervous I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm going to go silent for the next two hours. I, I, oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about uh, separating the art from the artist. Uh, so I'll first... Um, we talked a little bit. It came up because we were talking about J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, even more annoying now on Twitter. <laughs> After we recorded the podcast, Brad tweeted us, or texted us, said, I have some more thoughts on this author. I, yeah. I do. Did uh, you collect those thoughts? Sort of. Into a uh, manuscript. <laughs> I did not collect them into, Here's book. <laughs> uh, into a manuscript. Um, but, I don't know. So, I felt like, because Simon made, I mean, so, I agree that it, you know, there's no reason that the the Dumbledore in the book couldn't be gay, and that there's a value in sort of structuring it like, you know, I mean, it is, you know, any person who does any type of job and acts any sort of way mm-hmm. could be gay. Uh, and in not making that a priority, um, you know, I'm not saying it and then just saying later, yeah, he's gay, but the point, I guess, being that it doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, which, sure. Um, I'm 100% on board with that. I just, the way that it felt to me, the sort of interacting with the idea of it as, you know, this bomb that she dropped, 
Uh, but see, that the point where she dropped this bomb I'm using quotes here is that she didn't really drop a bomb like in a press conference. It was like in a Q&A after like a reading or something, a girl asked her about Dumbledore and she clarified like, wait, that's not the case because he's actually gay. So it's like a clarifying right. matter. It's not you, like you, a, can, you can drop the bomb in a clarifying way. Sure, but it wasn't uh, like a pulling back the curtain. Like, I tricked you all. He's actually, you know, Right, I mean, it's not. But I mean, so, so part of it is like her explanation of his like romantic past mm-hmm. is like pretty... Like foundational, for like it was, it was it's like this person like whom he loved like turned right. evil and then he needed to defeat him, mm-hmm. uh, and that that is obviously happens all the time. Happens all the time. Happens dog earlier so today. That we, so, <laughs> yeah. so that we all know that it's really really really, <laughs> really traumatic. To I mean you you can obviously understand that it's really traumatic to do that. Sure. Uh, and so that felt like kind of trying to have it both ways, right? It's like it's not a big deal, but mm-hmm. also. Like, part of it not being a big deal is, like, then you should be able to, like, engage with this super foundational past of one of your main characters. Mm -hmm. And so he is a fully fleshed out character in the book, Mm -hmm. character, excuse me, in the book, until you have this huge piece of his backstory that you've left out. And then all of a sudden, he's not. Really, because there's this whole thing that I think probably would be pretty fundamental to shaping how he sees the world that actually wasn't in there. Right, and so then it just starts to get a little, like... You're trying to mess with the world just sort of however you want when it's already out there and people already have it and you're not, you know, it would be one thing to write a novella or a short story, something that was Mm -hmm. the full thing of that and have it then become part of the world, but to change it, I mean, not to change it, but to like reveal things that were otherwise unknowable in Q&As and interviews. And I understand that the the circumstances were not necessarily something where she like could control, mm-hmm. and if that was really the truth, then she just had to tell the truth. Right, and I get that, but I tell the truth, uh, I tell the truth, spotlight. You know, it's just, <laughs> uh, the, I mean, there's just like it's it's sort of difficult to I think talk about because I in general I support the project of mm. representing a character in the way that she says she meant to represent right. the character. But, like, the way that she went about it seemed a little bit like trying to sort of get, like, you know, have done the social good without having to actually have done While retaining the, the sales and not right. lose, cut it, losing any blood over the fact. Right. Okay, I get that. But I, and I agree completely that I would have preferred in the text it being fact and being proven in text. But in the situation we have now where it's, like, it happened... I'm, I'm still fine with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not like, uh, you know, I'm not like a Dumbledore straight truther. Like, <laughs> no, she's wrong. No, I, did, I just, I mean, so it gets to this broader thing about mm-hmm. once a work, and, and then this is going to veer off into, I think, a more complicated conversation. You know, once a work is released into the world, sure. is it the author's to mess with, or is it everybody's to interpret how they see fit? Um, well, I've heard that the author's dead. What do you think <laughs> about that? I mean, I... So I think I, I fall somewhere in, like, a kind of contradictory middle where... Uh, the author's I, like Schrodinger's cat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Uh, where, you know, I mean, if there's something that's, like, really, like, unclear mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like, and not deliberately so, basically, if, if something's, like, poorly written... If, if there's a piece of information that is poorly uh, given out 
but it is in the novel like a factual truth that something mm-hmm. took place and like that's unclear like I don't have a problem with the author clearing it up right. though obviously they should have done a better job right writing it the kingdom of Shogara is actually north of the kingdom of Babarba right what story is that from here's your memory classic but it bothers me a little bit when the text is the and there's I, my understanding is that there's nothing really in the text that J.K. Rowling was like pointing to, saying like, "No, this is where this co-. right." So, right. so then you're just saying like something that is, you're just kind of, I mean, as all, fiction authors just make everything up, but you sure it's are. like you're just making everything <laughs> up that's not in the book, and is that as valid as anybody else's? Because you're not changing the text, which would be a whole other thing that gets way more complicated and it's just like I'm kind of hands off because that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know it's and so, so this is not about at a certain point I mean it's not being about like the social piece of, of what she did because okay. I mean and I understand that that is probably the complicating factor sure. is that the social climate changed from the time that the first book was published and the last book was published mm-hmm. um, but is it like how do you guys feel like in general about an author reaching back into their work and dropping something in that wasn't in there before, that there was no way to read it where you could have come to that conclusion on your own. And just saying, here's another thing. I mean, I think I'm torn because ultimately I think more often than not, like books or texts or whatever are best left kind of untouched they're a product of their time in that specific place when the author was writing right. um, whether there's an extenuating circumstance whether you could have fit something into it that you wanted to or not it's usually just best served as kind of like a piece of your life at that moment and then we can evaluate it as such but then at the same so I think usually when you do kind of return to something and drop it in it's just kind of diminishes it in a way um that I think is not all that productive. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think I'm not a person to think the author is dead. And I think that they have, at the end of the day, the ultimate control over their text. Right. Um, they're the ultimate authority on it. Um, and that it's their, entirely within their prerogative to do so, whether you like it or not. I probably wouldn't like it, but I can't really fault them for doing it. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. It's part of like what is fun about books, at least for like a certain type of person, is like that there are things that are like not always clear or like, you know, kind of ambiguous in the text mm-hmm. that you can sit and talk about mm-hmm. and you know, it can be like nobody's wrong, but you have these differing uh opinions. Uh and so for that, you know, like it kinda sucks when an author's like comes in and is like well you know actually mm-hmm. here's what happened and you're like shut the fuck up we were having a, we were doing a thing yeah you hear that JK we were doing uh, a thing JK <laughs> just kidding uh, but, but that I mean again it's like fundamentally different from because I don't know there is I think kind of rare for there to be like a thing that um, like is just not in the books in any way like mm-hmm. he's like Dumbledore you don't he couldn't you don't know that any, anything about his romantic life and so it's so you, so you could wonder about it but there's not a lot of evidence in the text to be like well it's, 
here's this or this or this. It's the light in the loafers. <laughs> right, and so, and so it's just like totally, I don't know, it just feels weird. Um, to do that, but I think we should probably move away from J.K. Rowling uh, and talk about a little bit of a more, I think, the, the, the thornier question, mm. aside from, you know, oh. you know is, is, right. <laughs> I pricked myself on the thorn. Right. Are you, you okay, dog? Is, is I'm bleeding. From, oh, and so, I mean, so this, so it's a sort of drawback, like, it annoys me about J.K. Rowling that she does this, but I don't regard the Harry Potter books in any mm. less of a light mm. because... She's doing these things. The books, for me, are still... Right. The books, and that's fine. Uh, there's fine. a difference... Uh, <laughs> Between being annoyed... <laughs> being annoyed and, like, you know, yeah, the creator being a horrible person. Morally reprehensible. Uh, well, I think right. this is especially... I didn't mean to cut you off. No, good. Uh, just especially relevant with the upcoming release of Birth of a Nation... Um, because you've got the unfortunate situation with Nate Parker. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, and does anyone at this table know it better than I, or can kind of Uh, lay it down? I I mean, the short is that he raped somebody while at Penn State as a student there. Um, and I don't know what his punishment was or what. So so what ha- right so so what happened again, is like usual he got off pretty uh, easily right so um it's just oh, energy it. saver uh so Dog's uh Nate Parker and uh his co-writer on the story yeah. uh Jean or Jean Celestin uh, were wrestlers at Penn State uh and uh sexually assaulted a woman uh and they were both, I, my understanding is they were both charged. Uh, Nate Parker was acquitted largely on the fact that him and this woman had had uh, other previous consensual encounters. So, of course, you uh, can't rape somebody if you've had consensual sex with them before. Right, crazy. Yeah. And, and uh, the co-writer was convicted and then acquitted on appeal. Um And then uh, a few years ago, the accuser killed herself and we don't know oh, right. it's an anonymous i mean so mm. nobody uh, if it's not public who the accuser is and i certainly uh, don't want to dox them right uh right. so <laughs> uh right so 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 this comes at a sort of a really uh the i mean the the the, the ways that sort of the social issues are intersecting with that story in particular um is uh difficult because I mean, there's obviously on one hand that it's uh, people are always in, and rightly talking about the the unfairness of the justice system uh, with its with regards to uh, black men, uh, but then there's also the unfairness of the justice system with regards to uh, how it deals with sexual assault, and then on top of that, uh, this is uh, a type of movie that uh, a lot of people are rightly asking for more of. Um, and uh, it was the biggest. Uh, so the so Birth of a Nation premiered at Sundance, and then Fox Searchlight paid like eighteen million dollars yeah. for it, which is the most that any distribution Oof. company has ever paid for uh, a, f- a film from Sundance. Uh, and you know, I think in general it would be good if companies continued to buy movies from Sundance like that. You know, support uh, independent filmmakers. Um, and so that's a really tough 
situation. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know. So, I mean, just to say, speak personally, uh, I was definitely planning on seeing it. And now I'm not sure. I'm thinking probably not. Um, and, yeah, I mean, so there are obviously other horrible people who have made movies. Roman Polanski. Uh, Roman Polanski, <laughs> uh, Woody Allen. Um, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Was she, she a played filmmaker? herself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was her, right? Yeah, uh, it was so believable. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, right, and so, uh, and so, my, my, I just so I guess well, uh, so like before, I sort of found out about the Woody Allen stuff, which had been n- known but not talked about for a long time, right. uh, and then I think it was the Glo- the Golden Globes were going to give him like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, and, uh, people started reporting on it again, um, and it's been weird ever since for me, right? I, I mean, so, right, I mean, so, obviously, I, you know, like, Annie Hall used to be, like, one of my favorite movies, and yeah. I just, like, haven't watched it, and I don't you see new eggs. movies. You needed the eggs. Uh, and it's Never just, like... be part of a club that he's part of. Um, <laughs> right and so and that's just like you know why you know because there is so you get you know a lot of people work on all of these movies uh from you know rich actors to people who are to not, the grips right to the grips right and uh you know part of it is it uh feels weird to like decide not to like pay money for this product because one person one person but it being the most prominent person uh well, if you prescribe to the auteur theory then that uh, would make sense the uh, visionary yes <laughs> right it'll be so so that so that's part of that's actually part of the reason that the woody allen movies feel weird to me is because he directs and writes and acts it i mean he hasn't in a while but you know he used to mm. act in a lot of them mm-hmm. and when you kind of get down to it a lot of it is him as like kind of an older guy like hitting and dating like literally women. in manhattan and he's dating in high school right and it's like <laughs> yeah i mean and then you get i mean and on top of everything i mean he, he like married his like ex-wife's stepdaughter her daughter, I don't remember. Wait, adopted, I mean, I thought it was her daughter. Oh, adopted her. Um, and so, like, the whole thing is like, right? And so, I just don't. It's a fucking crate. He, he, right? <laughs> he's he's obviously a bad a bad dude, but a very uh, talented bad dude. Right? And so, you know, so so that's the part is, uh, I still like know like I can't unknow that that I think Annie Hall is a great movie. Right. And I'm not giving him any more money to watch it because I own it. Because oh. I had it before, right? So Loophole. I, I have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, so that's part of it. But I haven't watched it, even though it has really no bearing on... Hmm. Right. It, it, it's, it's like, you know, like, relationship to him in terms of how it could benefit him is totally gone. But I still don't do it. And I don't exactly know why, besides the fact that I find it hard to focus on the movie because I am thinking about him as a person. Sure. And that is not pleasant to think about so i don't know like i i don't know if you guys have thoughts on 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 your particular personal relationship to to woody uh not to love it doesn't doesn't have to be woody funny dude art art in general produced by people that are obviously horrible Mm -hmm. i love chinatown yeah it's a great movie 
and they still nice in the water. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby, Repulsion. So many great movies. And Venus and Fur recently, very good. And the pianist was all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like the pianist. Yeah. I saw it a while ago, so I don't really remember. Anyway, aside from the quality of them, it's like watching them. I knew everything about Roman Polanski, but even still, I was still completely able to divorce myself from that reality and enjoy the pieces by themselves. Mm-hmm. I. Why about you, Doug? My yeah, I think for most. Almost all cases, I can do that. I am very capable of separating art from artist, mm-hmm. product from producer. Um, but what if it like directly benefits see, them financially? I still can do it, mm. just because I I myself don't hundred percent prescribe to an your theory, okay. and I think that it's a collaborative thing and whatnot. It so yeah, it's very easy for me. But that's a that doesn't make me more intellectual than anybody. Mm. A B it doesn't mean that people who can't do that are like wimps or whatever it's and i like, it's just like a personal thing that i don't i i i can think about it but i don't feel any sort of guilt about it okay. um but i 100 percent understand why it's so much harder for some other people yeah. and i was talking about this earlier today with friend of the show oscar mancinas hey. um and one thing that i kind of brought up when we were talking about it because we were talking about this exact sort of situation yeah. was that i think it also can be a case-by-case basis too sure sure especially for people who have certain things in their own life that like if you are like have sexual assault in your family or even in your own personal life it's gonna be much harder for you to stomach Woody mm-hmm. Allen film than rather than say like reading Ender's Game because Orson Scott Card is a homophobe like right. if you don't have as such a visceral kind of reaction to that there's definitely like a way to kind of separate these things like case and you can kind of evaluate it for yourself like I don't have a hard stance of like no matter what the biggest piece of shit on earth is going to make something I'll watch it <laughs> but it's I've just <laughs> I don't have that case but it's just I've never yeah. found myself in the scenario where I couldn't watch something because of the producer i will watch birth of nation i was really interested in it. i think it's fucking atrocious mm-hmm. what he did um it's still really not going to have any sort of bearing on my viewing of the film um not because i'm so great at compartmentalizing things but it's just kind of you're an emotionally detached house you're right exactly <laughs> i'm cynical and ironic about everything i'm gonna enjoy it ironically <laughs> no but like joke, yeah, yeah and right so, but I say that with an open mind. Like, I don't want to like make sure. that be the end to the discussion. Of I want to hear mm. more about it. Maybe you can convince me not to see it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> see what you want. <laughs> um, but you like uh, for listeners of the show, they all know that I'm gay. <laughs> and or that's, that's part of the canon. Yeah, <laughs> well established. Just, just as much now. as that, me and Brad are booksellers are part of our identity. Yeah, that's your sexuality, right? identity. <laughs> Hey man, Amazon's coming after us. Right? Right, we got Bezos on the, on the tail. Right. We got... It's just as hard. You guys really do know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just as hard. Books tell us actually uh, very easy. Oh man, no, I feel for you guys. <laughs> yes, you're a good ally, Simon. Thank you. I try, um, but even. Despite my proclivities, <laughs> I couldn't help that it. Like some like emperor and Thomas. I know. Fetch me a boy. <laughs> Even despite my taste, <laughs> I can. I haven't reread any of Orson Scott Card's books, mostly because I'm afraid that once I do, they'll be completely ruined mm-hmm. by what I know about him. But I like having those two books that he wrote that I read 
just be treasured in my head. Don't want to ruin that. Now it's getting cool again. <laughs> well, it was on uh, energy saver, and cool would be a nice stint. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm preserving my memories for these books by not returning yeah. to them because of this author. Uh, Interesting. I don't know. So, right, I sort of have like I feel like a complicated idea about it because I mean, there's no random point. There's no utility to me not watching. You know any of the Woody Allen movies that I have on DVD? Right. Right. I mean, like, um, that'd be weird if he got royalties every time somebody <laughs> threw a DVD. In. Or it's like you know how you like talk about someone behind their back and they like sneeze or something. Oh, like yeah, that like their thing. ears itch or something. Yeah, their ears itch. <laughs> Haven't you heard that if your ears itch, that means people are talking about you? No. <laughs> it's like an old wives' tale. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So maybe like he gets like a pleasurable shiver every time oh, someone watches this movie. God. <laughs> I never, I was non-director, so I don't know. So I knew what you were saying, Brad. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know, right? So it's, and I don't think that it's, like, morally wrong, right? Because, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, it's just, like, I guess it's, like, a, like I, I just feel like it's not the right not that it's not the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but I don't know. So like, I'm just saying, thinking about like, so like for example, and this is a little different because the actual like film is structurally racist, but the the first <laughs> Birth of a Nation, classic. Uh, so, D. W. Griffith. Yes. So handsome man. Uh, so it's hell of a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> great guy. Yeah, great guy. Right. So. <laughs> The original Birth of a Nation, directed by D.W. Griffith, it's like three-something hours long. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Basically, so basically, I mean, like, all you really need to know is the KKK are the heroes, and they come in and save the day. Um, Right, but... Twist. But, but, I mean, so the other thing is, like, D.W. Griffith, like, on a filmmaking level, was, like, a genius, and, like, pioneered all of these, these, like, techniques that... Uh, like make films that like came out before he started, right. like totally unreadable to a modern viewer unless you're told because they didn't used to like keep it to the cross cutting. Like, they didn't right. used to edit. They didn't used to do where like you would cut between two things happening simultaneously. It used to be what you would shoot. You would show excuse me, show the whole <laughs> the whole first thing, yeah. and then you'd show the whole second thing, and they were happening at the same time. Yeah. And you just had to know that. Yeah, the train's uh, coming right at me. <laughs> right, but then they started. Right, so he. So right, and so. To this day. Like, foundational to, like, how people watch movies now, but it's like a giant, giant racist. That movie is. Right. Unbelievably racist. It is like, mm-hmm. even understanding, like, how racist America is, <laughs> there are parts of that movie that are still, like, shocking for how racist they are. That right. this was just, like, what. Is what it, people made as popular movies. Is it more or less racist than Songs of the South by Disney? I'm not Ooh. really uh, familiar, but I'm going to bet more. It's, uh, I don't know. Songs of the South pretty racist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. All right. Uh, we'll have a, a we're, big we're, racist we're, off. We're, yeah. <laughs> uh, were the KKK the heroes? No. Well. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> right, but so, so, so there was a big sense so movie is super important in terms of the progression of film as a technical mm-hmm. medium, but narratively is disgusting and reprehensible and just the worst. Sure. Uh, I believe that. And uh, there was, I can't remember who it was, there, there, there was like a movement 
uh, led by like a black filmmaker to get it in to the Library of Congress uh, as like a cultural That's artifact. The most racist movie ever. <laughs> um, because um, it was really important, uh, mm-hmm. and part of it was seen past the fact. I mean, it was you know, ex- you know, just you know, look at it for what it was and critique it for being bad, but. Uh, we have to, you know, also understand what what came from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little different. I mean, so also because I mean, the ideology is so there. Like that movie is hard to watch, not just because D.W. Griffith is a racist, but because the movie itself is so racist. And there are some Woody Allen movies that are like that, that are like like uh, Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like you're just preying on a young girl and. But Woody, okay. I'm only 12 years old. I want to go oh, to God, England. <laughs> exactly. Uh, why, why don't you just um, stay, in, stay here with me, okay? <laughs> in Manhattan. <laughs> Manhattan, baby. <laughs> I'm barely doing his voice. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah. Um, but I think our readings of texts evolve with a kind of our culture and understanding of things. Nobody's going to look... I mean, it's not ever good to make like the statements, but I'd say oh, most people <laughs> most people aren't gonna watch original Birth of a Nation now for any sort of like entertainment purpose, hopefully, or any sort of like educational or like empathetic purpose. We're studying it a as like a text of the time of, but especially of this particular political framework right. of this filmmaker, and then also as. Um, as a study just of filmmaking itself. It's yeah, it's not like process. a rerun on AMC or something. <laughs> well, well, we're, so, what, we're, we're learning how the, f- the cross-cutting was invented. We're learning about these techniques. Right, I mean, so that's part of it, right? I mean, and there's the other thing where, you know, so the movie is uh, 100 years old. Uh, well, it is, it is anniversary. It is. <laughs> Happy it, anniversary. It, it, well, it, was, it came out on February 8th, 1915, so it's actually 101. Oh. Uh, oh. Um... <laughs> Right, I mean, so it is. It is a three-hour-long, silent movie. God. Right, so if it was not racist, nobody would watch it because it is <laughs> right. a three-hour-long, silent movie. Uh, you know, that's different for Chinatown. Yeah. And Annie Hall. And I'm sure that there are other terrible people who have done terrible things that you know we we don't we don't think about Spielberg. What did he do? He murdered a man. <laughs> I'm the only one who knows yeah. about it. Uh, I helped him. <laughs> that's uh, that's a lie, Mr. Spielberg. We're sorry. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> You're doing damage control uh, <laughs> for, for our number one fan, Steven Spielberg. Uh, but I made you ET. <laughs> George Lucas murdered somebody. The original films. Three people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't actually care about Star Wars. Um, I do. I'm not angry. <laughs> but you know so like people still watch those movies in film classes for like academic reasons but you get to a point you know there are there's going to be a lot of movies made by terrible people that we have to watch in film classes I'm thinking about I saw Chinatown Annie Hall and uh, uh, Birth of a Nation all, uh, all in a, <laughs> all in a film class all right. different film classes <laughs> but uh I don't know. It's just like, you know, I like want to resist like the canon being like so prominently full of 
garbage people who did <laughs> horrible things. You know, I don't know. It's some of our greatest artists almost feel like. And we've been weirdly focusing just on film, but we can if we extend it to writers and musicians, it's gonna get a whole lot worse. Yeah, please. Like fucking Miles Di- Davis, wife beater, yeah. or domestic. Maybe I should say <laughs> domestic abuser. Is Philip Roth a good guy? Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's fine. Oh, yeah. I think so. So Philip Roth is sort of a different. I mean, he was just like, kind of like a, a gross man oh. in like the <laughs> like whatever eighties or whatever. I mean, so I think his, I mean like his writing used to be I think pretty misogynistic. Mm. I haven't really read any of his earlier stuff, but. He sort of. Starts giving the thumbs up. <laughs> so he sort of like grew out of that, but you know, I mean, which which is horrible. I don't want to like, but that because that's bad. Uh, but uh, <laughs> is different than than something you know, Woody Allen or Owen mm-hmm. Klinsky or whatever. Um, I don't. I know. mean, we can also like extend that to the fact that the canon, like who primarily. Com- prizes the canon is like not always but usually like straight white dudes and that's not to say that like all straight white dudes no I don't (laughs) most most of us are awful but I'm that's not to say and I'm not trying to be like a good woke ally but it's not to say that like the minute that like we start that like more women and people of color or whatever are able to start kind of being part of this canon that they're just by virtue of that like morally superior there's they're mm-hmm. going to be just as shitty and awful as well. But it, it does seem like be, maybe the way that it's comprised, the same types of people get the most prominence and also have to be mm. some of the more kind of slimy people. Well, so I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily... So I think that part of what will happen as... I mean, these, these things, these things, get, things get, like, get like... Diversified... Is I mean I think that there's a lot of the people who I mean a lot of the the artists that are kind of like the most vigilant I feel like in terms of I don't want to use like the word policing because it sounds like trivializing but who who I mean who are like rightly drawing attention to the the wrongs that some of their you know like peers or predecessors have have perpetrated are going to be the people that are sort of coming in. To prominence, and so that it's not that you know, as a demographic group, they're less prone, you know, to like human nature than anybody else. But right. I think that it's like a, a more vigilant type of person. They're more critical, right? Yeah. Um, vigilant in a good way, not vigilant. Yeah. <laughs> Vigilantes uh, on the run. Um, they killed my parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it goes. So it goes like. You know, it's a, so, so it's an issue. It's not just with art, right? So, you know, I don't know. I felt weird every time I watched Kobe Bryant play yeah, basketball. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel good when I watch Colin Kaepernick play Aww. football. Yeah. <laughs> right, you know, it's, it's like Ray Lewis was like, at, at best, an accomplice to a murder, right? And <laughs> at best. My favorite yeah. athlete, Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> uh, yo, right, no. Ray Lewis was, at best, an accomplice to a murder. He... It, it, it is super in the realm of possibility that he should be guilty of murder, but he's oh, at right. best in a conference. Um, right, I mean, and that's and that's crazy. <laughs> crazy he, cool. He he made millions of dollars entertaining people on national television. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, not that 
again. You know, it's all relative. Not not that not that you know the the NFL is like some some the NFL is I think a, a bad entity in general. Check out my Newtonville book recommendation Jesus for against Christ. football. Uh, <laughs> We're not at the plug section. Uh, but plugging um, <laughs> recommendations. Uh, Dog fighting. Horrible, right? I mean, yeah. so yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, it's all relative, Brad. <laughs> um, right, but you know, it's it, like would feel weird to be like, well, Ray Lewis is still playing, so I can't watch any football. But then you know, mm. the system is really intertwined, uh, and you know, there's terrible people on a lot of teams, right? Uh, and you know, I don't know. It's just like that's not quite the same because it's like. If I um, Roman Polanski upsets me, I'm not going to watch any movies again. <laughs> well, but so, but it's. The, I mean, the point is, is that you know, Chinatown is important for reasons outside of the fact that Roman Roman Polanski directed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, 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 I guess, like making this pitch to you, even though I'm the one who's. Uh, <laughs> I'll watch anything. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> right. I don't know, but like, you know, so if if I if you. To think like practically, you know, if you were to say like, you know, I don't think that film classes should teach Chinatown anymore because there's a movie that, you know, that can learn ninety percent of whatever they're going to learn from Chinatown. Just watch Inherent Vice from this other thing. <laughs> no, uh, that's really good. I liked Inherent Vice. I don't doubt that. Uh, Not Chinatown. <laughs> you know, like, but is that wrong to to like say you know? Because I mean, it does bother me. Because, you know, film classes teach different critical theories. One of them is Doug said being uh, a tour theory. Mm-hmm. And at least the ones that I took, I mean, you don't engage critically with a lot of the consequences of that. One of them being, what if the director is a horrible person? What does that mean <laughs> for the movie? You know, so if you were to engage with that in a more active way, maybe it would be, you know, I would like feel differently about it. But I don't know. I feel like when we watched Chinatown Film Club, I was like, Chinatown. It's yeah, a pretty man. fucking good movie, right? Right. Sure. We're like, yeah, it is. Well, is there a way to engage with a text knowing that the author is a piece of shit in a productive way? I think, all, I think only if you're like, I don't want to say only. I think, I think that the way to do it would be to discuss what I mean, to talk about what does it mean from the perspective of judging the art. If the author's a bad person. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's totally possible that, you know, 51% or 90% or whoever think that, you know, once it's put out, it's done, and you can, you, the, the author is basically irrelevant. Um, but there's a lot of people I know, you know, that don't think about that. I mean, you know, so you, you try to, you know, compare movies from the same director, you start doing it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you involve the artist in a way that um, well, we study people's oeuvre for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, but, but so, so to sort of draw out, you know, like the, you know, Ray Lewis and they were watching different teams, right? So there's, so for example, right? So Woody Allen, when you make a movie, you need actors. And all those actors do a bunch of other movies, mm-hmm. but also agree to work with Woody Allen. Sure. What does that mean about, you know, my, if, if I think that, you know, Woody Allen is a bad person, I shouldn't see his movies what logically follows about how I'm supposed to think about the actors who decide to work with him. 
Well, it's like, what would you think about Doug, who does, who's able to separate art from artists? It's like the same thing, right? It is and it isn't. Because uh, they're choosing to work with that person. For money. Right, and it's different than... You know, I mean, I'm not... I, I, so part, you know, it's like going after the viewers, like going after like the laborers, right? I mean, he's not like a part of. <laughs> oh, Doug's so the happy. <laughs> uh, Fine, I will work with Woody Allen. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. Like, let's see. Like a lot of, I feel like a lot of actors that I like. Well, I enjoy it, watching work with Woody yeah. Allen. Well, it's a little di- different now too. Like in the '70s, if you work with if you worked with Woody Allen, that could like make your career. Yeah. Now, in 2016, mm. maybe not so much. Now he's playing one of those out every year. Yeah. He did that in the 70s, too. He did it way more. Yeah, but they're not as good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, so, before, right, I I mean, I was pretty into Woody Allen. A lot of those movies fucking suck. He had, he he was like a, a just like, I mean, he was like a genius. Yeah, but all those classics were like before now. That's true. What's the last good Woody Allen movie? Midnight in Paris? And like even it. that one might be up for debate. I like. I, I, debate. I, 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 yeah. I like. So, <laughs> I like it. I, I like Midnight in Paris, but it, I, I yeah. like Blue Jasmine. I haven't. Seen oh, it. I did like Blue Jasmine. I haven't seen it. It's a good adverti- advertisement for Stoli vodka and blue. And, blue. and, and, and a street crime desire. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or that. Um, um, so Kate Blanchett, asshole. <laughs> People well, were mad at her because. She when she like won her Academy Award for it, she like thanked Woody Allen mm-hmm. and stuff, and was like, and people were mad about that. I should thank him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, so that's the other thing, right? So you know, it's like Joaquin Phoenix and Emma Stone and Jesse Eisenberg and like Blake Lively and all these people that are like on stuff that I generally am like. You seem like a nice person who you're a really talented actor, and I want to go see. In the case of Joaquin Phoenix, great rapper too. Uh, you're so. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So part of it is like I think that there's a large number of people who are either convinced or have at least convinced themselves that like Woody Allen hasn't done anything wrong, which I think is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's like, and I, and I think it's wrong. I mean, to not believe the people that are mm-hmm. telling the story and have been telling basically the same story for forty years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but, but there is also, like, the court of public opinion, which weighs heavily, and I'm not specifically talking about this case, but in a lot of cases in general, where, like, the presumption of, presumption of innocence, which is kind of, like, a pivotal thing in our, like, U.S. justice system or whatever, is kind of, is kind of out the window as soon as people start talking about alleged activities altogether. Mm-hmm. And people are quick to kind of make cast these aspersions and settle on a, a decision. Not in I'm not specifically talking about the case of Woody Allen because mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of evidence there. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean that's 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 true. But I don't know what I'm saying is like you know there's these people that like I don't want to say like they're like tainted by it because that seems a little extreme, but have like in some way engaged with the idea that Woody Allen is a bad person and come to the conclusion that it was still the right thing to do to work with them. And these are, I mean, especially the people I talked about are not people hurting for work. Yeah. You know, Joaquin Phoenix is going to get a job. He's going to be okay. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Or for Doug. (laughs) And, you know, it's like if, is it, you know, I mean, I don't is it like a moral wrong for them? If, I mean, you know, if, they don't no. 
Right, I don't right, I don't think so. <laughs> right, I mean, so... So saith God. Yeah, um, no. no. <laughs> I don't know, right? I mean, so I, it just feels... Weird. I don't know. I think that could be the summation of this whole argument. It feels, it feels weird, weird man. Uh, <laughs> um... Well, Nazi scientists discovered cures for a lot of things that we use today by, you know, dissecting Jewish people alive, but we still use science. What do you think about that? It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you say that, right? But, I mean, so, I mean... Does the ends justify the means, man? That's what I mean. Well, it's different, it's different, because you don't, you're, you're not talking about a moral problem of how they, of, of, of doing it, because they've already mm-hmm. done it. Um, so is Woody Allen. And that's weird. Right, right. No, I understand. Woody Allen didn't uh, find the cure for cancer or something. <laughs> Wait, though. he didn't? <laughs> I mean, neither, neither did the Nazis. Neither <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> uh, you know, but... I'm thinking. Sure. Important. Dun, dun, dun. That certainly helps people think. <laughs> it doesn't add any sort of pressure. I, so I guess like what I'm sort of thinking about is, you know, is using what you what you got from a reprehensible act, which is different than what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that in some manner endorsing the means? So is is using the ends endorsing the act? The act. And you, I don't know, because you get to a point where it's like, it's dumb. It doesn't, I mean, if you think, you know, in like an economic sense, it's stupid to not use what the information that you already have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. But, you know, you, you think about like, I don't know, if, if, you know, you, somebody discovers evidence on you in an illegal manner, even though we know it as fact, you can't use it in court, which... Mm-hmm makes sense and it's something that I support but it's also like seems kind of dumb because they already did the bad thing yeah you haven't you, you failed to prevent the invasion of <laughs> their privacy right Zero Dark Thirty proposes that it was good that we tortured people because we found Osama Bin Laden that's not really what it proposes but <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh, then... <laughs> but torture does work yeah 24 taught me that <laughs> but I don't know it's these are questions that people have been wrestling with for a while now. And finally, we're going to put an end to it. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yes. <Right. laughs> to what? Oh. <laughs> That's where they get you. I don't know, right? I mean, so... That's part of what is weird about it. So to bring it back to an art perspective a little bit is that, you know, everything that you do and, like, everything that you think is okay to do informs your art in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I think that maybe it's like, I can't get away from like the fact that like the bad things that these people did is like somehow a part of what they've created. created. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that, you know, you can get away from that in a way. I don't want to get away. It makes it sound like you're like using it as an excuse, but I mean, that, that is less of a factor if you don't subscribe to, like, in, you know, like, a, an auteur, which I guess we should 
explain because we just kind of been saying it. If you don't know what that means, you're not the listener I want. <laughs> <laughs> we only have like two. Uh, <laughs> so our tour theory is basically like the idea that the director is the creative vision of the thing. Yeah. It's kind of a manifestation of their... Like, they're the sole kind of intellectual... But with writing, it's like, only the odd tour of three, right? Because it's just right. guy. Right, but we've been talking about... Girl. But we... We're, you know yeah. I mean? So, so, right, I mean, I don't know. We haven't talked a lot about writers that have done bad things. But writers have done a lot. Didn't, like, William Burroughs almost, like... Like he almost shot his hurt. wife because he was doing like the dead. William Tell thing. Or he did no, I think shoot he her? did shoot his wife. Oh, he I shot his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's just I, it. I, I, <laughs> I, I am pretty sure. James Joyce farted on his wife. Did he? Yeah, they sent like those letters to each other about farting farted? on each other. Okay, that's is this real? Yeah, that's not a big great. deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm into it, but yeah, some people aren't. <laughs> sure, I mean. Um, Tom Wolfe is all around a piece of shit as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Why? He wrote... I don't know. <laughs> well, he... This is just a side note. His piece on Chomsky and the latest Harper's is like one of the worst things I've ever read. Oh, really? I mean, it's in a, it's, it's part of a book. Yeah, it's not... I'm not gonna read that book. Uh, it's the uh, dumbest fucking essay. Uh, I, I, I read a review of the book that was basically like this is, like, stupid and, like, intellectually inconsistent and, like, doesn't make a lot of sense, but it was, like, a lot of fun to read. Yeah, so Doug, he was, like, Doug wrote that. Uh, he just ended basically on it. It's like, oh, that was, you know, it was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that Wolf does in the Chomsky essay is because he talks about, like, this ethnographer, or this linguist, or, sorry, rather, who, like, studies this indigenous population, whatever. Um, so every time that Wolf starts typing out He's, when he when he means to say Native Americans, he starts starts typing out Indians, erm, um, I mean oh, indigenous or Native Americans, as if the way to be like, aha, isn't political correctness so stupid? Right. He does it at least twelve times in the fucking <laughs> essay. Every single time, I want to throw my computer out the window. What if he's genuinely confused about it? <laughs> hire, an ed- the ed- hire an editor. What if the editor's also confused? About it? Erm, 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 erm. I think you should include any kind of stammering and vocal tics you have in your writing. Uh, just so uh, after a night of heavy drinking, mm. uh, William Burroughs and his wife, no heroin uh, this time? Joan Volmer, uh, no, it was without heroin and suffering from benz- benzedrine abuse. Mm. Uh, Drug of choice. Um, so they were super drunk and decided to do their William Tell act, even though they'd never done it before. And, <laughs> their William Tell act. Yeah. How's that their act? That's what he allegedly said. Uh, it's a classic and, act. Uh, allegedly. Know, so, so, so that's apple on the head, you shoot the apple, you don't kill the person. Uh, instead, <laughs> he shot her in the head and killed her. Um, William. Well, did she look like an apple? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, was she like that painting where the guy has the apple hanging in the air in front of his face? Yeah. Right, I mean, so... so, so the villain but, from The Magician. Yeah. Right. So, no, so it's that, a leaf. Whatever. <laughs> so, so that's a weird spot because... I mean, it's, it was. I mean, it's. It, it is obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, it. It was obviously like a horrible thing that neither of them should have done. Yeah. But he wasn't. I mean, presumably he wasn't trying to kill his wife. It's possible that that was. Oh, that's like the perfect murder. Wait, why alibi, is he have a though? wife? I thought he was gay. He's gay. They were married. Man. Maybe she's gay. Ah. Uh, Counteracts. <laughs> gender fluid. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. But that's that should. So then it's like he got away with it, right? 
because it was uh, their act. I don't think he went to jail. That's what I'm going to do next time. Just put, <laughs> put an apple on their head. Be like, we're doing a William Dell act. <laughs> what went wrong. Was our classic act? Uh, He's killed know. 15 people this year. It's crazy. But I mean, it is weird. I don't know. It is weird. I mean, I haven't read a lot of Burroughs. I read Naked Lunch. It sucks. But, <laughs> right. So sort of part of it is I'm not super interested in reading a lot of Burroughs. It's not the type of thing that I'm, like, you know, clamoring for. But if, you know, after learning that he shot his wife, even though it seems like it was probably an accident, mm-hmm. I feel like I wouldn't want to read. There's a lot of books to read. I guess that's basically, <laughs> I guess that's basically where I fall. Yeah. It's like there's, there's a lot of books to read. There's a lot of movies to watch. It's true. And I, I can do that without watching something made by somebody who's just garbage or somebody... You know, something that was written by somebody that's just garbage. Yeah, he picked up young men in steam baths in Vienna, so... Did he shoot them? <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like he was at least by. Okay. So Good for you, cool. William. Too bad you shot your wife, yeah. dick. <laughs> um, well, maybe he just lived with her. I mean, oh, they no, had they a were daughter. Yeah. They were married, man. No, I meant just, like, lived in the sense they didn't, like, have sex. But they had a daughter, so they had to have sex at least once. That's the that's rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What was I going to say? Brad, what did you just say? Sorry, completely got sidetracked. Uh, basically, like, there's a lot of movies and a lot of books. Right. And I don't need... Uh, but I... Th- yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Doug. <laughs> but I think if you dug... That's, you, dug? Um, if dug? you dug? You dug? <laughs> if you dug deep into a lot... You could rule out a lot of authors that you didn't want to. You know, that's true. But... I mean, I'm not saying, you know... You're never going to find the virtuous author you're looking for, Brad. You can find a saying, lot of them that haven't murdered or raped people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <right. laughs> like, everyone's done shit, but thank, not everyone's thank, murdered or raped. Thank you, Simon. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. I, uh, we're talking about rapists and, and killers. Or, uh, we don't... Laid with men. Boo. <laughs> yeah, pick up boys uh, in Vienna. And but, 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 you know, to get to the point, you know, I so I've never read Ender's Game, uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't just didn't have an interest in it. Sure. I learned. I mean, I, I, not, I mean, once I learned that he was a, a terrible person, yeah, uh, was really homophobic and like actively used the money that he made from these See, that's, books yeah, that's a tough in game. order to. Uh, so I guess I could take it off from the library, but I was just like, <laughs> you know, fuck it, I don't care. There's other books. There's other books. Um, yeah, I don't know, because it's not like it's I'm doing. You know, it's like the other thing. It's like I'm not like I'm doing anything. You know, it's not like I'm gonna. Uh, you know, it's like it's not like oh, I skip Cafe Society, and uh, you know right. nobody's gonna nobody's gonna give Woody Allen any money anymore to produce any movies. That's not true. They were waiting for uh, that, those Brad Bab bucks. <laughs> Do you use your own currency? Uh, yeah, they don't like it. They don't like it <laughs> refuse to take it. Uh, right. So I don't know. So part of the thing is right is you know like, there's uh, I don't know where my line is, and I'm sure that mm-hmm. I've done things that are you're not done things oh, but Brad. You know, I'm sure that I've you know read things from people that were terrible and I've right. uh, you know then not read things from people who were less bad mm-hmm. um, and that fact doesn't particularly bother me yeah um, you know I don't think that I don't know right you know it's like now it's like Burroughs is dead you know, if I bought his book, I'm not supporting somebody who accidentally killed their wife. You know, it goes maybe to his estate or his publisher. I don't know when they got set up, but that's not him. You know, I'm not. It's certainly no reason to hold other people accountable for what he did. Uh, 
You know, it's just like... I don't know. I mean, so I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is, is address, like, the practical limits of my thinking without... Mm-hmm. But not feeling like a reason to go and change the way that I'm, like, doing it. I don't know. Mm. I guess you just got to sleep at night. At the end of the day, only you know what's the best choices you can make. What's the best choices you can make? That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Just making sure they heard. Uh, All right. That's a pretty good summation of, I think, where we ended up. Yeah. And, I don't uh, think I changed my thinking whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know that anybody did. Yeah, because it's too it tough, good. too big. Yeah. It's good to hash it out. We're just mortal ants in the face of tragedy. You know, well said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're stuck an hour in. We'll take a, we'll, we'll, we're going to hit pause. We gotta we'll take come a break. back in a second. We gotta got to take uh, a break. Yeah, then we'll be back. Take a break. <laughs> I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Hello, and Hello. welcome back. And welcome back. Uh, that was pretty heavy. So we're just gonna... Keep it light. We're gonna keep it light. light. And frothy. Uh, yeah. Not frothy. It's light. That did just make me really want a milkshake, though. Uh, I, 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 I drink it. A milkshake. Yeah, that's my first thought. Are milkshakes really frothy? That doesn't seem like the right description for a milkshake. It out, but right. it, 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 <laughs> I feel like... That's like in any advertisement for a milkshake. You know, <laughs> no, it's not. First of all, when are there ever advertising for milkshakes? A uh, Dairy Queen. Okay, uh, but they don't say like in big bowl letters frothy. <laughs> I was thinking about milkshakes recently because I was like, I like milkshakes, right? But it's they bring so the boys to the yard. Gross. It's just, I mean, so so we talked we talked about last week. I think dairy's kind of gross. Oh yeah. And it's just like a fucking like heavy boom of dairy, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's delicious, but. I don't want to think about what it. What are your thoughts on Velveeta cheese? Yeah. Because it's not dairy. That's not cheese. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's cheese that like doesn't need to be refrigerated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, a strong no thank you. Uh, yeah. my, my roommate, I don't know. Like, there's, like, there's, like, there's like Parmesan you don't have to, from Kraft you don't have to refrigerate. I don't. And I think Oh, once you open it, you should. Yeah. You don't have to. Brad, I, I've have never been... owned it. I just know that my oh. roommate, so I'll say... Uh, do you get nice parmesan, like shaved? I don't. I don't really do a lot of parmesan. <laughs> Fucking missing out. Me thinks thou dost protest too much. <laughs> uh, He's got parmesan in his pocket. <laughs> no, that smells so cheesy. Uh, that's right. I'm, I'm a parmesan pocket man. I knew it. That's my, that's my side gig. Is that's, I, uh, yeah. I uh, hawk parmesan on the streets of. Uh, you know, I always thought that yeah. about you. The streets of what? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was hanging. The fire, Doug. Uh, I, guess, I guess Boston. I'm making it up. Some going along. Streets of Laredo. Larry <laughs> McMurtry. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're just gonna go into recommendations. That was pretty heavy and long and convoluted in a good way, I think. Yeah, I'd say it's good. Yeah. Uh, so. Really all right. I'll recommend. I'll recommend some stuff first. Uh, so the book I'm recommending this week is The Gloaming by Melanie Finn. Uh, which comes out from... Oh, God. What do you was, mean comes out? It is not out yet. Um, that's then how did you read it? <gasps> Pirating. Uh, did you pirate it? The Pirate Doug, Bay? I don't, know if, I, don't, Doug, I don't know if you know about this thing. Uh, <laughs> it's called uh, It's called an ARC. Or an uh, oh, Advanced Review Covenant. Copy. Yeah. yeah. And so, Review Copy. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote a... So, we'll just do this. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's coming out from $2 Radio. Uh, I wrote a review of it for The Rumpus. Uh, plugs. Which is coming out on... Plugs. 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 Uh, the review is coming out on the September 22nd. 
The book is coming out on September 13th. Uh, it is the story. It is I, I really liked it, and so it uh, was on the Guardians, not the Booker shortlist, and was in Publishers Weekly, Publishers Weekly's Publishers big indie weeks. indie <laughs> books of fall 2016. Um, and so it's a, it's a book about uh, this woman who uh, her husband leaves her for his mistress uh, and he was a human rights attorney and they were living in Switzerland and she gets into a car accident where she crashes into a bus station and kills three children after her husband has left and so she's kind of alone in this country so she has a valid excuse and uh, (laughs) she kills these three children uh, on accident Um, and it is kind of about the aftermath of that uh, this is not a spoiler. I mean, so she ends up going to South Africa uh, and ultimately Tanzania, and if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. Uh, and so, that? and so, it's it's structurally pretty interesting uh, because basically, the first so it's about three hundred and something pages, low three hundreds, and uh, like the first hundred and fifty or so are narrated from her from her perspective told in like an alternating time and one starts after the car crash and one starts a little bit before and so one of them leads up to her leaving South Africa or maybe even goes after that and then one of them leads up to the car crash and then after that it changes perspectives and then it switches perspectives probably like every 20 pages or so um so really sort of structurally complex uh but uh it I thought it was paced really well um, it can be a little frustrating because all of like the switching back and forth between time and the switching from perspectives can feel a little bit like it's breaking the momentum a little bit, but it really builds well. Um, and so I would recommend it a lot. And then my non-literary recommendation is uh, a string of episodes from the Planet Money podcast from NPR. <laughs> uh, so they did this thing where they basically bought oil as if they were like an oil company and then like followed it from there to like the gas pumps uh, to sort of learn about the oil business um, and it was really interesting uh, you know oil is like a big part uh, oil affects a lot of what our economy does and what our what our government does uh, Yeah. but I didn't really know how it worked. And so it starts, they buy oil from a guy in Kansas. Um, Daniel Plainview. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and, California. Oh, never mind. And, uh, you know, like, follows the process. And it's, uh, so it's really interesting. I didn't think that I knew anything about uh, the oil industry, and I was correct. I learned, <laughs> uh, I learned a lot. Um, so, yeah, I liked it a lot, and I would recommend listening to those string of episodes. I like the Planet Money podcast in general. They do cool sure. stories, but that one specifically was really interesting. Have you seen the YouTube supercut of Paula Dean trying to say the word oil? <laughs> she uh, never like she never finishes it. She's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, but I guess I will search that out for you. You should tack that on to the end of the episode. Uh, she is racist, cool. though, so you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Separate her art from her artistry. Oh, oh. <laughs> 
right. book recommendation. Questioner Bruno, Alexander Heyman. Um, he's a friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> In the sense that we talked about him on a past episode. You must have a lot of friends. <laughs> with a degree of reverence. <laughs> right. We um, talked about him with some reverence. Yeah, yeah I know he's a great exactly. writer. He's a great writer. Um, he's a um, writer. Um, no, <laughs> it's a he's short a story collection. Um, he kind of does a nice blend of um, autobiography biographical fiction um, but it also kind of plays with metafiction in a way a lot of stuff um, that takes place in Sarajevo um, a lot of it's great <laughs> I lost win hardcore there yeah. um, it's the only thing I read by him I really want to read his book it's like The Making of Zombie Wars it's a novel of his hmm. um, but it's like about like the screenwriter like writing the screenplay but there's probably more going on there but hey he had me at that's Doug Coulson's personal brand. My name's Doug, and I'll read anything. And that's yeah, exactly. I'll watch anything, I'll read anything. You um, me a book. <laughs> my non-book recommendation is the Alfred Hitchcock film To Catch a Thief, which I somehow watched for the first time a few nights ago. I don't know how I hadn't seen it. You got your Cary Grants, you got your Grace Kelly's. Um, it's probably one of the most visually, just like scenic of the Hitchcock films, because mm. I mean it takes place in the French Riviera. Um, I don't know if it was actually shot there. It kind of seems like it was. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's very beautiful to look at, um, especially if you watch in stunning HD. Um, and I mean, Grace Kelly always great to look at as well. Oh, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all horned up. <laughs> um, but it's a good sort of. <laughs> It's, it's not one of Hitchcock's best, but it's an enjoyable kind of, you know, his nice blend of romance and thriller and right. intrigue and suspense. It's a good one to rub one out, though. Yeah, a good chase scene. So those are my recommendations. Available on Netflix Instant Watch if you haven't watched it already. <laughs> and Simon, carry us away. All right, I'm recommending an old classic. Well, it's not old. It's recent, like, 90s, I think. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the book Jesus' Son by Dennis oh, Johnson yes. oh that's a good book yeah some really great short stories about mostly about addiction um, uh, mostly about fuckhead and fuckhead yeah I know just really startlingly beautiful writing um, just really crisp and clear and just crisp rel- and clear yeah I'm like clear. running out of adjectives <laughs> to use <laughs> Dennis Johnson uh, the, the chicken nuggets of uh, fiction writing yeah. uh, crispy meaty <laughs> oh I see that's clever um, yeah, he's kind of like soon a to be nugget. friend of the show yeah, yeah let's have him on I'll give him some heroin maybe he'll lure him into their bedroom <laughs> oh. this is where we're recording it does he do heroin my bedroom I, I mean the way he writes he about it he does. must he's I kind of I bet you he's Nothing to base that off, but I bet you he still does. You know, he strikes me as the guy. It's a form of slander, but I bet you he still does. He's 67. You can be 67 and do hair. Two more years until he's the perfect age. God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm standing Uh, by that. uh, And then my non-book recommendation is the movie Star Trek Beyond, which is a fun summer movie, and... You know, whenever I talk to people about it, and they've seen it too, they're always like, you know what, I wasn't expecting much, but it was actually pretty good. Oh, that's always great. <laughs> yeah, but you know, pretty good summer movie. 
pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> These are pretty good, though. Yeah. Uh, I guess I got a. I also enjoyed Star Trek Beyond. Ah, I've uh, seen it. No thoughts. It was. I don't know. I liked. So it was. We could talk about it for a second. I mean, it was like a little dumber than the other ones, but like Into Darkness tried to be smart and didn't make it. That's sense. why I think it was smarter than the second one. Right. So right. I knew so, what it was. Right. Exactly. It was like. I mean, it was right. It was just like, uh, we're just gonna do this action thing, and yeah. it's gonna be sweet. And okay. we were like, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Into Darkness had a lot of stuff that didn't make any sense. Yeah, loved it. I still liked, you know, I don't know. So stuff like that, this is an aside, but like stuff like where like movies have like stuff. So Into Darkness, there's this part where basically uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Evil Man Khan. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he attacks Starfleet and then he wants them to chase him. And so his plan then is to go to the one part of the galaxy that Starfleet refuses to go to. Uh, which makes sense when you think that he's trying to hide from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's all these other weird coincidences that have to happen for Benedict Cumberbatch's plan to work out. Right. Uh, which, when you look at it, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Somebody, like the writer was either just like, I'm just going to write this stuff and who cares? Mm-hmm. Or they were like, this is a problem. And we were like, fuck it. And they were like, yeah, fuck it. We don't care. Sure. Uh, so basically it's like, all of these things had to go wrong where uh, Scotty had to tell Captain Kirk, it's like, no, these are bad we can't bring these weapons because we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And Captain Kirk had to be like, no, it's chill. We're going to do it anyway. And then they had to go into the one place where they're not allowed to go. And this has been under Cumberbatch's plan, and he's supposed to be this genius. Yeah. And there's if you're smart, there's no way that that's what you come up with because there's so many things that have to go specifically only one way. Right. Right. And so Beyond had none of that. Beyond was just like, want to shoot some shit? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Punching people? Yeah. Great. Some nice Let's choreographed scenes. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, cool, we're in space, great. Nice sense Love of it. pacing. Yeah. Done. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Deal. And so that was... Get it, got it good. Get it, got it good. Mm-hmm. That's right. Star Trek Beyond. Uh, beyond your... Mildest expectations. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a good New Yorker review. Do they do, like, titles for the reviews? New, the New Yorker? Yeah, like, clever titles. Oh, uh, let's see. Like, I... Can't believe it's the theory of nothing. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> they um, they do not. The title of the review that contains Star Trek Beyond mm-hmm. is Star Trek Beyond and Indign- in and Indignation reviews. So oh, Anthony Lane it. is a born piece of shit. <sighs> Anthony Lane. Uh, you learn. I don't have anything against Anthony Lane. Sounds like you do. <laughs> He's no, I'm with you, Brad. Let's take him down. <laughs> R- R- Richard Brody's piece on it, also for the New Yorker, is a quasi-American Star Trek Beyond. Quasi-American Star Trek. So Beyond. not clever, but not Star Trek Beyond and indignation reviews. Right. Uh, so you know uh, the New Yorker's Speaking got your uh, Philip Roth. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, indignation. I uh, heard it was pretty bad. Really? I heard it was Has okay. there been a good Philip Roth adaptation though? Uh, Heard Human Stain, also not great. uh, I also haven't. Big fan of Anthony Hopkins, though. Uh, We'll see. American Pastorals being made into a movie now. Mm. That's true. Directorial debut of uh, one Ewan McGregor. Really? Oh, Uh, interesting. Otherwise known as the one and only Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, Yeah, it rhymes. Mandalorians, yes. Uh, (laughs) Sounds like. Why is it? Bob Dylan as a Jedi. <laughs> That'd be and, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if, anybody were, if anybody were a Jedi. Uh, Indignation has an 80% on oh. uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It is certified fresh. Oh, I thought it was bad. That literally uh, means nothing <laughs> anymore, though. You know what else is certified fresh? Crash. 
Oh, Crash, it's fucking garbage. Yeah, Crash so. solved racism. Thank you. Oh, that's why I sort of... I don't <laughs> even think it is certified Fresh. I just said that. Uh, let's see. Make your bets. Make your bets. I, I say, say no. Yeah, I say no. Yeah, it is certified Fresh. Ah! It is, so it's 75% uh, positive. Indignation was 80. It's not a perfect metric. Wait, so indignation solved racism. <laughs> uh, I think that... Uh, there is a 0% chance of anything that Philip Roth is involved with solving racism. racism. He's not a racist, as far as I know, but he, I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's the goddess. I, that's a weird thing to allege. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Roth allegedly is not a racist. racist. <laughs> uh, yeah, Straight anyway, uh, that's uh, pretty much the show. Right? Uh, yeah, it is. Well, uh, yeah. to, to Michael Nye, we will tackle your... PhD in creative writing question for next week. We're gonna do our research uh, after we learn what a PhD is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So we we're, we're gonna yeah. So we wanted to think about it a little bit, but yeah. So we'll talk about that next week, uh, and we'll talk about other stuff next week too. I like that we've we sort of second week in a row we have something to mention at the end of the show. We're gonna talk Building, about it next week. This is yeah. good. It's uh, called foreshadowing. It makes us seem workshop. forty forty to seventy percent more prepared than we are. Uh, hey, maybe we'll have a guest on too. And next week we're going to be talking about Harambe also. No, yes. we're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let Harambe rest, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, Sorry, Harambe. <laughs> uh, thanks as always to Paul Haney for writing, recording, producing our intro track. Yep. Um, Paul us. told me that um, he figured out how to do panning audio and GarageBand so it can come both right and left, so he's going to redo the track. So we might get an updated version of it. Uh, what does that mean, panning? So you like both headphones, like it's it's so it's, uh, like, it's like a no, it's like a uh, damn it. I was, it's, uh, it took me too long. I was gonna do a thing about it, like like when you pan like uh, a movie. It's, uh, gonna, it's, it's a track that oh is. My God. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I, didn't, I, I didn't, If I think it would have been all right if I had quickly, but now just explaining the job without making it. He's a bad move overall, kids. Not, uh, kids. not a good look, Brad. Do well, I do like looking at the blueprints to a building more than like looking at the actual building. So, uh, you but go. you're not. It's like you're looking at you're listening to somebody explain the blueprints without seeing either, <laughs> either the blueprints or the building. Draw a line here and then uh, X here. Uh, That's how you draw blueprints. Right, anyway, uh, tweeted us at readabouter underscore pod. Tweeted me personally at the real Brad Babs. Tweeted Doug at Skip Douglas. D u g l e s s. Email us at readabouter at podcast at readabouterjournal.org. Have a good week. We've got a couple openings in the proofreading and editing department. If you are at Emerson and listening, I just got an email about that today. So uh, yeah, so there you go. So uh, Michael, if you want a position and plan, copy out. editing and proofreading. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. Uh, have a good week and a goodbye. Bye. Uh, goodbye. He's going to be sweeping with the fishes.